0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Setting the Record Straight, a podcast of Reconstructionist Radio. My name is Russell Trawick and I am pastor of Christ's Covenant Church in Alvin, Texas. This is an interactive podcast where we welcome questions about theonomy, postmillennialism, covenantalism, presuppositional apologetics, or reformed theology in general. Please don't hesitate to contact us on our Facebook page at Setting the Record Straight Or going to the main page, Reconstructionist Radio. In today's podcast, I want to discuss a topic that gets thrown around in discussions and forums and groups on social media all the time. I often hear from opponents of postmillennialism that if the world is supposed to be getting progressively better, why is it that things seem so badly? Why is there such violence and seemingly no progression of peace in this world? Why is it that when there is an advancement in this life, people post that post mill, but when bad things happen, there is silence? Now with any of these questions, we can simply ignore them and go on with our lives. We can be silent and just go do our thing. But I believe doing so points out a greater problem than the questions at hand. We are told in Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Our default position as Christians, and even for many Christian reconstructionists, is the former part of that scripture, answer not the fool. But our reasoning is not that we would be like him. We don't do so because in some cases, we don't know what to answer the fool with. We just need to read enough Rush Jr. or Bonson or North or one of the church fathers until we get that quote that just might hammer the opponent. We often skirt around the subject and dodge the meat of the questions in order to get to our talking points. By doing so, we end up looking like the fool anyways. Today, I won't answer the questions posed here at first, but my intention is to answer the reasoning as to why people cannot answer these questions in the first place. I want to help you as a listener to understand the problem and the solution to answering these questions. It once again is an issue of the pulpit to the pew. Today, I I want you to understand the impact as well. So let's start Proverbs 29.18 says where there is no prophetic vision the people cast off restraint but blessed is he who keeps the law This is where the most most of the problem lies today in churches. There is no prophetic preaching. Now before you turn this into a prophecy war of cessationism versus continuationism let me be clear at all times at all all times prophecy is the word of the Lord and the prophet or prophesier is a herald or messenger of the Lord first if you so first if you want to claim that all prophecy has ceased then this reveals the first premise there is no power in preaching from pulpits today in many pulpits today. I am not talking about a false type of authority in the leadership of the church. I am simply saying that if a person steps into a pulpit with a thinking that what they are delivering is anything else but the very word of the Lord, then there is no power in their preaching. In Romans 1.16, Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek we must give more than lip service to the fact that God's word is powerful when proclaimed boldly in the Holy Spirit Paul begs believers in Ephesians 6 619 to pray for him that words would be given to him to boldly proclaim the gospel there is very little boldness in preaching today, but rather in effeminate passivity. So many pastors preach as if they're ashamed of what they're about to say. How dare any pastor step up to the pulpit called as an ambassador of Christ, a representative on behalf of Christ, and understanding as the second Corinthians five twenty says twenty says that God is making his appeal through us and we approach the pulpit in passivity? Yes, we must approach it in humility, but that is different from passivity. We are not apologizing for God's Word or for being His messenger. God has entrusted us with His very own breathed out Word, and we better come with the boldness and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. There is very little power in preaching in pulpits today. There's the same rehashing of ideas regarding worship and baptism and salvation and so on and so on and so on. Which we'll get to the why of this in a moment. But there is little, powerful, bold preaching. Hebrews 6, 1-2 exhorts us to leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings or baptisms the laying on of hands the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment it doesn't tell us to forget these things but it tells us that these things are foundational we build though on foundations and continue to build up from that point powerful preaching moves past the foundational principles I remember the first time I met with my good friend Bojadar Marinov. He came and visited with our church and at lunch I was sharing with him how I struggled with going bivocational in my pastoral ministry because I felt in some ways that I was abandoning or neglecting the flock the Lord had given me to shepherd. He quickly and sternly said, listen, your church doesn't need a babysitter. They need someone who will powerfully preach and teach God's word to them and expect them to put it into practice. But this is the problem. Most pastors are nothing more than church nannies. There's a little maturity in the congregations because there's no power in their preaching and their teaching. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 11 through 14, there's a very familiar passage that we we go through quite often and people recognize it and it says he gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes see Christ gave us each of these offices if you want to call on that I, I'm not going to go there this morning or today but God Christ gave us these offices of these people to equip the saints to serve. Pastors are not to spoon-feed their congregations. You see the same authority and power that Christ gave his apostles in Matthew 28:18 through 20 in the great commission is the same authority and power that Christ gives pastors today to equip the saints. They must preach boldly and powerfully by the Holy Spirit. They must have an expectation that when God's Word is proclaimed through them, God's people are going to respond to His Word in tangible and applicable applicable ways. I wholeheartedly believe that if a pastor doesn't see the fruit of God's Word growing in his congregation, he might want to reconsider his preaching. Not his calling but his study and reading, etc. Is he putting forth the effort to faithfully and powerfully proclaim God's word or his own word? Did you hear that? As a pastor, is he putting forth the effort to faithfully and powerfully proclaim God's word or his own word? As a pastor, I must ask, are you willing to rise early and go to bed late in order to do so? I mean, no excuses. I am a bivocational pastor. You may even say I'm tri-vocational. I pastor a church. I run a farm and a construction company. I rise daily around 4 a.m. and on Sundays at 3 a.m. I no longer view it as sacrificial, but it is my obligation to God and my responsibility to the congregation I shepherd. It is difficult. It is very difficult day in and day out. But the cross He has called us to bear as pastors is great, and the word we as pastors are going to proclaim demands it. Secondly, this there's this we need to understand. If there is no prophetic vision in the preaching from pulpits, there is no purpose in that preaching either. What is the purpose of preaching? Paul exhorted Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 verses 1-5. through 5, He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and Exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Preaching is for the purpose of evangelism. The proclamation of the gospel and call to repentance to the unbeliever. Preaching is also for the purpose of training and equipping the believer. But it is also for chastising and correcting sin and calling them also to repentance. Which is part of the believer's sanctification process. That means everything must be done with God's purpose in mind. Preaching is not just about getting a message across or, or relaying information to people. It's not about showing off our skills at interpreting the Hebrew and Greek. It's not about revealing the latest book we've read. Preaching is about getting God's message across and applying His Word to every facet of life, allowing us to align our worldview with the heart and mind of Christ. So why don't we know how to answer the fool? How is it? We don't know how to answer the fool. It is because there's no purpose in the preaching in many pulpits today. It's because we believe that our intellect is enough. Now, I'm not saying that we are to be anti-intellectual at all. That is what most churches are today you will recognize them by the fact that they preach weekly an evangelistic message to those who are so-called redeemed. They give weekly altar calls to the membership who is all supposedly redeemed. They have to do so because the only evangelism that happens within their congregation is from the pulpit on Sunday morning. The congregation has not been equipped by their shepherd or expected by their shepherd to do anything else but bring bring them to church. Bring them to the pastor for the message. Bring them to the guru of salvation. He does everything for them. He is their nanny. He is their pulpiteer with pom-poms. He is their entertainer with great stories and great illustrations. And what we would describe him as in any other time, by any other preacher, by any other evangelist, he is nothing more than a clown. People don't respond to the pastor's preaching because there's no power in it. And there is no purpose in it. There is no expectation in that preaching. The other reason why people don't know how to answer the full is opposite of anti-intellectual. But rather it's hyper-intellectual. Which is what is called Gnosticism. Gnosticism means knowledge. Yes, we are called to grow and mature in Christ. Yes, we are to know the Lord and His Word. But Gnosticism goes beyond knowledge. Gnosticism says that the transcendent God is too high and too pure and too holy in order to be known or worshipped by a fallible and material creation. Gnosticism trades a relationship with the Almighty God and what we might know about Him and instead worships creation. It worships wisdom and intellect. In fact, Gnosticism teaches it is our intellect, that which we know, that brings salvation. What Gnosticism says is the reason why people aren't saved is they don't know enough about our God. They haven't read enough about our Jesus. They haven't acquired enough information. They aren't smart enough yet to be broken by the Word, by the word, By the knowledge. But Scripture tells us in James two seventeen. So also by also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it does not have deeds. If it does not have action. It is dead. James goes on in verse twenty six, saying, "For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead." That means we can have all the intellect in the world, but without action, and without. Um, Without action and without putting feet to that faith, that faith is useless. When John MacArthur recently stated that when we focus on the gospel, we will naturally move from social issues to spiritual issues, what he is saying is that the gospel nor the law of God has anything to do with social issues and cannot be applied. What he is saying is that spiritual things are more worthy of our time and our efforts. What he is saying is that those who applies God, who apply God's Word to the social matters of this world are not as holy and not as sanctified, not as mature, not as self-controlled as those who don't. Gnosticism much, Johnny Mac? You see, there is no purpose and that kind of preaching there's no power in that type of preaching johnny mac is more concerned with preaching against strange fire because he refuses the fire as an Acts to from heaven that to hit his tongue that men of all nations might turn to christ because they might need the social they, need, they might need the social application, but because he's not willing to give it, what he's willing to do is come with these spiritual things and these emotional things. He's not willing to get to the core of the matter of why people are not at peace, why people are in poverty, why people are struggling. Hmm. Such pastors preach without power and without purpose. He's afraid. A Johnny Mac is af- afraid of strange fire. Because you know what? Nations might turn to Christ. I'm not saying he doesn't want men to be saved. I'm not saying that he doesn't have a desire. But his preaching is powerless and purposeless without the application of God's Word to those issues. Such pastors preach without power and without purpose. Such pastors redirect their congregants away from the knowledge of Christ and turn them to be followers of the knowledge they provide. Hyperintellectualism or Gnosticism is nothing more than finding our salvation and our life's purpose by getting lost in books and people who have written them. Reading Rush Judy, reading Bonson, North, Calvin, Luther, Edwards, and all Spurgeon sermons and books will not bring purpose to preaching in the pulpit powerful, purposeful, and prophetic preaching begins and ends with God and His Word. For the same God who said in Malachi 3.10, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you, and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. It's the same God who said in Joel and in Acts 4, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show you wonders in heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and vapor of smoke the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moons of blood before the day of the Lord comes the great and magnificent day and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved If those preachers can preach on obedience to God and tithing and believe He'll open up the floodgates of heaven with blessings, then they better be consistent by obedience to prophetic preaching. For when they obey God and heralding the word from the Lord, He will pour down more than a blessing. The people of God are empowered not just to remain in their holy huddles, they will be equipped to put on the full armor of God and they will approach the battlefield ready to go to war against the enemy, the devil. The people of God will prophesy and nations will turn from their sin to the Lord in repentance and be saved to the glory of God in Christ Jesus alone. That is what bold, powerful, powerful, purposeful, and prophetic preaching will do. There is no room for anything less in pulpits of churches today. This Sunday, the question I ask, will your pastor, or will you as a pastor, stand in the pulpits with boldness, power, and purpose of the prophets of old and proclaim, thus says the word of the Lord. Thank you for listening to Setting the Record Straight. Join us on Facebook at the Reconstructionist Radio Discussion Group. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to listen to all of our podcasts and to download our free audiobooks.